0: Welcome, welcome, welcome in. It's another edition of 10,000 Pitches, a podcast devoted to everything Minnesota soccer and beyond. What is up? Jeremy Russia? hanging out with you again. Wasn't going to do a show this week, but uh, I reached out to a couple old friends and we're going to talk some Minnesota United after their big first ever MLS uh, Cup playoff win over Colorado over the weekend. So we'll get to that in just a minute. But first... Don't forget subscribe rate and review the podcast. If your platform allows that those ratings and reviews are huge for our placement. Of course, if you you subscribe, you get notified whenever we drop a new episode, it seems like we've dropped an episode pretty much every day of the week, uh, over the course of, uh, this podcast 10 years. So, uh, we drop some on Monday, some on Tuesday, some on Wednesday. So, uh, just, just subscribe. So you get notified when we, uh, when we actually drop one. And then of course, Follow us on all the socials at 10K Pitches. Ethan Brand does an excellent job helping us out with the socials. So uh, make sure you follow us there as well. Like I said, Jacob Schneider, Eli Hoff going to be joining me in just a hot second to talk MNUFC. But I do wanna talk quickly before we toss to them about something we're doing uh, here to help some local businesses who might be struggling during the uh, second round of uh, restrictions that Governor Walls handed down last week. We're calling it 10K Takeout Tuesdays. Basically, we're gonna spotlight a local restaurant, a local eatery who's still doing takeout during this time that we can't actually go and sit inside or outside of a restaurant. Um and every Tuesday we're going to be spotlighting them and giving away a $50 gift card to that particular restaurant. Uh, so this week is Katrina's Mexican Grill in St. Paul and Oakdale. Um, you can go enter to win that $50 gift card on Twitter at 10K pitches and make sure you reply with your recommendations for what you might want to see in a future 10K takeout Tuesdays. i uh, going to have you do the work for me here and uh, and shout out some restaurants that we should uh, spotlight here in the future. So um, yeah, go to Twitter at 10K pitches to enter for that $50 gift card and check out some of the restaurants that we are and will feature for 10k takeout tuesdays but now is the time to welcome in jacob schneider and eli hoff 10k regulars two of the first guests we've ever ever had on the show haven't had them on in a while uh three pretty busy guys here but uh glad to welcome them back in to talk some minnesota united how you doing guys it's great to
1: be back hey we're talking over each other already sounds
2: great we just right off the bat right off the bat we're clashing (laughs)
1: You know, that's how it works when uh, when you've got the chemistry that all three of us do. We just uh <laughs> we just all want to hear our own voices at the same time. Right? <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Uh, you know- thanks for having me on, Jeremy. I'm happy to be here. Yeah. A uh, I- lot happened over the weekend. We got a lot to break down. I'm excited to get down to it.
0: Absolutely. And you're you're lounging right now, Jacob. You're doing this from the couch. Usually oh, you're in your room and your office, but man, you are a lean back. I'm assuming you got the Philadelphia New England game
1: on right now. I do and as we are recording it is the 66th 66th minute excuse me and somehow the New England Revolution are up over the Philadelphia Union 2-0 um, if you hear me shout screech or yelp during this show during this recording it's probably because somehow Philadelphia come back in these final 30 minutes we'll see but right now we're going to focus on Minnesota United
0: before we get to that I just want I just want to take a straw poll here MLS should definitely stick with the single elimination,
2: single game playoff scenario, right? hundred percent. Absolutely. Agreed. It's so much more dramatic. If we don't get maximum chaos penalty shootouts, what's the point of playing? I just, I don't, I don't if think don't you can get, make a case for normal soccer again.
1: If we don't get a number seven seed, like Nashville beating um, a powerhouse like Toronto, at, who has an MVP candidate like Alejandro Pozuelo. Like, I, I love this. This is, yeah. this is, Pedro Gaiesa getting sent off in a penalty shootout for Orlando, um, Ruan getting sent off in regular time for Orlando. Like this is this is the peak MLS, and this isn't even MLS After Dark. This is MLS Midday, MLS in the evening. <laughs> we we have so much content to break down, and it's it's fantastic. You know, we get consecutive games. We've got a triple header tonight while we're recording. We've still got uh, LAFC in Seattle after this. Um, new england philadelphia game you know th- this is fantastic i love what they're doing and getting it on uh national tv is so so important well done mls you've got fs1 espn espn2 um Unimas, and they're even showing some of those matches on their uh the official mls website for those of you who don't have a television uh, there's they're doing fantastic work to get these games the viewers they need and i'm just enjoying every minute of it
0: And this is really something that I think could draw a lot of casual sports fans to MLS just for the playoffs is this kind of format. Cause this is, this is something that, you know, the regular season, even for, even for diehards, even for guys like us who cover teams and, and you know, the regular season can be a grind to get through sometimes, but if you can can counteract that with this kind of drama in the playoffs, it's kind of like baseball. 162 games, it gets a little boring sometimes. But when you get to the playoffs, man, the drama kicks in and, uh, and and you get something to watch. I think that's something that MLS should really consider making like a permanent thing moving forward.
1: You know, and in a game like this with New England and Philadelphia, you've got a, a young, young star in Brendan Aronson that's moving um, to Europe in January. And he he's basically led this team as a kid during the season. Everybody's enamored with him. Come to playoffs and you see someone like the Revolution who are upsetting um, this young star and his incredible team that won the MLS supporter shield in the regular season. It's fantastic content. You know, if you're MLS you're advertising this score right now and you, you're getting the viewers. Cause people are like, I love a Cinderella story. I love yep. seeing an upset. It's, it's fun. It's, it's, it's great content. And the single elimination, like Eli said, creates the perfect drama. It, it, it's all around. They've, they've stumbled upon a gold mine by doing this
2: it's just it's so MLS right because MLS there's so much parity it's a league where anybody can beat anybody on any given week but like Jeremy said it can be hard to see it that way during the regular season right because like the regular season of any sport can really be a slog like the only sport that I think has really found a way to make every single regular season game feel like it matters is the NFL and that's because there's only 16 of them right Mm -hmm. so what MLS is able to do here by these games matter the most of any this season and and by like by working some more teams into it too, right? By getting the 8C Nashvilles in there, like, and invest more fan bases too, right? It's people who, you know, I don't know, you're maybe a Nashville fan, right? Kind of a a bleaker franchise to be a fan of, you know, just being an expansion team. All of a sudden you're invested in the playoffs. You know, you're playing Toronto and normally you'd say a team like Nashville against a team like Toronto. We know how that ends. It's 90 minutes. Anything can happen inside 90 minutes. So it's very peak MLS. And for like a competitive decision-making standpoint, like, a single elimination game is not the way to figure out the best team, but like that's not the point here. So um, I'm, I'm all for it. I don't know what we'll see continue. We don't know what next season's going to look like for MLS, but I certainly think yeah. there's a case for, for more of what we're seeing right now.
1: And you mentioned that Nashville game. You know, the goal scorer, the the, the player who won the game for Nashville played for them in the USL. It's Daniel Rios. Yep. It wasn't one of their th- DPs. It wasn't Yanni Mukhtar, who they spent $3 million on. It wasn't uh, Cadiz. It wasn't uh, Randall Leal. It was, you know, this veterans minimum player who they signed from USL, scored in the USL Championship playoffs for them last year. But still, you know, it's not some big budget name. It's someone who the Nashville fans already know. It's someone they they already love, they support, and seeing that that home that homegrown kind of vibe um, that uh, they have in the playoffs here, I think it's inspiring for anybody who wants to watch, who who isn't going into these playoffs and saying, you know. I kind of want to see Nashville make a run, you know, it's, mm-hmm, it's cool. Exactly,
0: And, and I think that's we'll, what
1: the single elimination playoffs do. I think what we're all
0: kind of getting to here is there's, there's much higher potential for more intriguing storylines when you do it like this, right. Yeah. You, you mentioned Brendan Aronson, you know, in a single elimination format, any game could be his last, you know, with him, with him moving on next season, any game could be his last. That's a storyline guy like Daniel Rios, Right. Uh, you know, you don't expect him to to make that kind of play in that kind of situation, make that kind of impact, and help Nashville move on. And that itself is a storyline, right? I mean, it's almost March Madness esque in the storylines yes, that can be that can be manifested in this in this time. You know, you know the the A plus player who's moving on after this season. You know, he's he's you know arguably player of the league, but all of a sudden he's ousted in the first round. You know that kind of stuff. We see that March Madness all the time where player of the year's future number one draft picks, all of a sudden they get upset in the first round and they're done. Like, That is so intriguing. And, you know, all the storylines that can come up from this kind of format are super intriguing. And like I said, it's something that could really bring more casual sports fans to MLS just to at least watch for the playoffs. And then maybe they they get invested in a team and maybe they buy some merch and maybe they start following them next season. And it's, you know, it, it really creates that positive snowball effect that you're really looking to create if you're MLS and bring more eyes to the league, especially with the television deal that's coming up in what, a year, two years down the line? They renew their yep. television deal. I mean, the way the way things are right now, something has to change in the next couple of years for the MLS to really get their money's worth out of these deals.
1: And you know, in- some of those things they can do, you know, you talk about the TV deal. We talk about the templates that Adidas has for their kits. Let's get rid of those templates. Let's have some fun. Mm-hmm. Let's let us see some, uh, some differentiating things that that make MLS more different than it already is from, you know, your standard league. For example, you know, I mentioned the kits. You mentioned the TV deal. Let's look at bringing in some, uh, some big names. We got Gonzalo Higuain with Inter Miami. You're connecting to the Argentine community in the USA right away. Say you bring in Mario Balotelli, uh, in the off season, who's a free agent right now. You're any MLS team, you know, you're engaging any fan who was a, a Manchester city supporter back in the day. You know, mm-hmm. you're getting these, these big names and that's, what's creating, um, a lot of the bigger fan bases uh, in MLS right now, because you're bringing in household names and soon enough, you know, give it 10 years. I have a feeling major league soccer is going to be a household league. You're going to see players say, you know, I'm, I'm 28. I could, I could sign and a a contract extension with say, you know, Everton, West Ham United, you know, a mid table EPL side, maybe a little aiming towards the Europa league, but they get a good offer from MLS. Gosh, that's really become a good league. They've got great fan base, you know, I've got an opportunity to win championships there. I may not hear, you know, I'm going to go, I'm going to go to MLS instead. And I have a feeling that's becoming more common and that's, that's important for the growth of this league. All
0: right, let's switch over and talk Minnesota United now. I don't want to Uh, potentially miss some things on the United front because we're getting all, all uh, knee deep here in the MLS conversation, but definitely I think there's a lot of great potential moving forward. And the MLS I think has stumbled upon some, some things that they can do that to be different, but not, I mean, you want to be different without being a, a parody league, right? And yeah. I, think, I think that's exactly what what MLS is trying to do, that balance they're trying to strike. And I think they've definitely stumbled upon a couple of things to help make that happen. But anyways, Minnesota United, we got we got a lot of loons talked here to uh, to get to as they advance to the Western Conference semifinals, knocking off Colorado 3-0, first ever MLS Cup playoff win. Second consecutive match, they have won 3-0. And the second consecutive match were Robin Lode has technically been the striker
2: starting at the false nine. Uh, is that the right move going forward, boys? Okay, I'm going to have kind of a long-winded answer. So uh, give me a, a few moments to speak. The answer is yes and no. Yes, Robin Lloyd is the answer going forward. No, the false nine is not the answer going forward. I am, like, as a concept, very anti-false nine. And I'll get to the why. But I'm very pro-Robin Lloyd, the way he's playing right now. I think very much what Minnesota United has done, they've played sort of a, a flat 4-2-4 where they've said, we're running a 4-2-3-1, but instead of a striker, we're just going to make that 3 a 4. And, like, that makes sense because the four attacking midfielders they're playing are, like, quality-wise better than the one striker who they would play, whether that's, you know, someone like Aaron Schoenfeld or, or, uh, um, or Kai Kamara. But the, the danger of that attacking midfield is you're playing four creators, and they're all great at creating goals but you, you do need finishers. Like strikers are strikers for a reason, because they create a different kind of chances. A lot of them, a lot of what strikers do is playing off ball. And when we evaluate strikers, we evaluate them a little bit like goalkeepers in the sense that there's one skill area that they're just sort of a bottom line. They're good at it for goalkeepers. That's shot stopping for strikers. That's goal scoring. Like just literally the ball is at my feet. I'm going to put it in the back of the net. So having a striker who can do that brings value, but good strikers are going to be off the ball. They're going to create chances in space through their positioning. And that's not something that an attacking midfielder is going to do. Sure, any one of those four guys can probably put the ball in the back of the net, but they're not going to bring that positioning. It's something that when Kai Kamara entered the game against Colorado, immediately he started bringing that positioning aspect of finding channels in the back line of being someone who needs to be marked there because the four attacking midfielder approach is geared towards transition and moments of fluidity because it's a little bit positionless, right? When when that When those four are lined up, you know, yeah, Ethan Finley's kind of the right winger and yeah, Robin Lloyd's kind of the, the left-ish winger, but there's a lot of movement around. It's sort of positionless within there. And again, that's great in transition because transition is positionless, right? You're When you're running down the field and it's a three on two, you're no longer the right winger, left winger, number 10, number nine, whatever. You're the right side cutter, the left side cutter, all of that stuff. So that's kind of what that attacking midfield setup gets at more. And that's great when there's transition opportunities and kind of those moments of chaos, but that's unreliable for breaking down a defensive block, things like that. I think also you can make the case that one of those four is generally going to go invisible. Like there's a reason you don't see teams play four attacking midfielders under a striker even. It's just it's too many. There's too many people doing the same thing. So you saw Ethan Finley go pretty invisible against Colorado. I think he only made about 14 passes. I think all but one or two of them were backwards. And he was just the positioning wasn't there. The roles looked weird. He's a player who kind of thrives in having that defined role in the right wing and and maybe not as much with that positionless stuff. Um, So there's there's a lot more to talk about this, but basically for for that long-winded reason, I'm anti false nine. Um, Though I do want to see Robin Load in there because I think he's played well. But Jacob, I'll I'll turn it over to what your thoughts are on on how the formation worked out.
1: So uh, I can agree with you a lot. And hey, Jeremy, guess what? I'm gonna do. I'm gonna relate this back to Chelsea. Um, No, (laughs) no, you've never done that
0: before. This is this is something totally new. No, and
1: and I think I've mentioned to this this to you before, possibly even on this show but seeing what Minnesota United are doing right now reminds me a ton of when Chelsea were strikerless due to injury or just, you know, un- unplayability in certain positions. And uh, they threw Eden hazard at the false nine. Um, and that's what kind of what I see with Robin Lude right now is he's naturally, he, he's naturally a winger. He thrives in a winger position. He cuts and on his certain foot for load, it's his left foot and he's brilliant on the left foot. And w- we saw that with the goal he scored at Allianz, uh, on Sunday, you know, it was a, it was a beautiful pass from uh, a young gray goose um, to find Robin Lud and then load fired with his left foot after he cut in, you know, it, <laughs> and it's almost Aryan Robin. Like um, when you watch him in, 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 how he feels on the right wing, um, how he can cut in on that left foot. It's so similar. Of course, he's not at the level of Aryan Robin. Uh, he never will be, you know, Robin's a legend of the game. But the ability to cut in on that left foot and be so accurate and confident with your one foot, it's, it's brilliant. And by putting load at Stryker, you take away a bit of his brilliance. Yes, he's still got the footwork, the positioning, the awareness. And he connects brilliantly with Bebelo Renoso. And Kevin Molino is just thriving right now. He is playing some of his best soccer for Minnesota United uh, over the past month and a half, two months And, you know, it's, it's fair to say he was probably robbed of comeback player of the year and MLS, even though Bradley Wright Phillips also had a brilliant season. Um, Kevin Molino right now though, is playing phenomenal and he's connecting well with Reno. So he's connecting well with, um, with load and, you know, throwing Kai Kamara, throwing Aaron Schoenfeld in there, I think it would ruin the, the chemistry that those three have right now. And as Eli mentioned, um, you know, unfortunately, even though he is a, he's a talented player, and he's uh, had a major role for the club in the past. Ethan Finley's the odd one out right now. He uh, he, he isn't connecting as well in this uh, in this four attacker formation that's strikerless, this false nine. And uh, I think we know that. And I think it's 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 frustrating because we know that Finley uh, is a really great player. But right now the focus has to strictly be on the connection that Lode, Molino and Reynoso have. Um, for Minnesota United, if you're going to score goal, go, if you're going to score goals, excuse me, that's where it's going to come from. Um, you know, we haven't been very great on set pieces as of late. Um, we we we've been confident, we, but it's just it's not it's not clicking. We don't have a big presence up top unless it is Michael Boxel. But Boxel going up top means he's thrown out of position. Who's going to cover there? You know, we don't have Ozzy right now. We don't have Jacory. It's it's hopeful that we have them hundred um, percent for Sporting Kansas City. But right now you have to focus on that front three and getting them so comfortable and organized on the pitch, even more so than they already are. And just leaving Ethan Finley as a supporting character. And hopefully he uh, finds those moments of brilliance. We know he has, and he can orchestrate his own way into the game. Um, but as Eli mentioned too, um, striker list right now is probably the way to move forward just because of the form that Kai Kamara and Aaron Schoenfeld are in. Um, It doesn't take away from the fact that Kamara is an MLS legend, that Schoenfeld has shown glimpses of brightness on the pitch. Right now, this is the best option for them moving forward. And Peter Vermes is going to have his handful when Minnesota United visits Sporting Kansas City because right now Minnesota United's attack is the best it has looked in a long, long time.
2: Um, I think you're absolutely right when you talked about Ethan Finley being the last man out and he's just been a player who's been sort of hard to unlock for Minnesota United. I don't think we've seen him play up to his potential because he'll have games, you know, he had, I can't remember what game it was in the MLS back tournament where he looked unstoppable on the pitch. I think he grabbed two goals. I feel like it was, I don't remember where it was in there. He had one really good game. I remember down there. Um, but then he has games where he's very, very invisible and it's, there's really no in between with him. It feels like, um, and we can go a lot more into that. I think it's a lot to do with structure and sort of what he's asked to do but I don't think we saw the four attacking midfielders work like a four attacking midfielder set up because, you know, it's a false nine, but really a false nine. Well, just call it what it is. It's another attacking midfielder. And we just, we didn't see enough value from that because where the value came from was what Jacob mentioned there. And that was those connections, right? You look at that first goal. That was an incredible sequence off of the throw. And I wrote about it for, for you e Pluribus. It's about the value of having dribblers in the attacking third, but the value was, was not having four attacking midfielders there. It was having guys like Reynoso and Molino who can just play the ball to each other from insanely tight spaces and advance the ball through insanely tight spaces, draw fouls and draw contact there and then pick up the ball and shoot from there. That wasn't anything systematic. And I think you can make the case that none of Minnesota United's goals against Colorado were anything systematic that were enhanced or in any way helped by having the false nine there was all just personnel and interplay there which is part of why defining formations is dumb a lot of it comes down to just personnel and players being able to do cool things especially in the playoffs because like all forms of analytics go out the window when you're just talking about 90 minutes who scores more goals we don't care about expected anything in like that um, so i do actually in mls playoffs well, yeah exactly exactly in well, in, in the mls playoffs it just matters who can keep their keeper on the line long enough in the shootout i guess True. or maybe maybe you want to get your keeper sent <laughs> off in the shootout maybe that's the advantage orlando might have unlocked something but it's i don't know I, it's it's tough for me to make the case for this to to keep going forward um just because i don't think there's enough value to having all four attacking midfielders in there obviously they're all great they're all good players who deserve minutes I just don't think there's enough value to playing all four because you know there's there's a reason teams don't run six attacking midfielders like there's only so much they can do I I do think going forward it's worth putting someone like um like uh like Kai Kamara even if he's not really in form I do think he just brings positional value going forward but um but I'll stop the false nine slander and let y'all defend it if you like well, another factor into this as we move to the SKC game is Roman
0: Metnair's back. Um, and on that right side, he and Finley do have that that chemistry and that experience together. Does that play into any positional decisions that you make as far as the front four go moving forward, the return of Roman Metner?
2: I think it does, just because Roman Metinair, what he brings primarily is as a crosser. He's not like Chase Gasper as a fullback who... Chase likes to play in a lot. And when I say in, I don't mean crosses. I mean, like, short passes. And Roman, he loves those big loopy crosses. And he's pretty good at them, too, as far as fullbacks go. And crossing is an incredibly dumb strategy if you're not going to play a striker up there. Like, there's got to be somebody to get on the end of those. And I just – I don't see – you know, as good as Reynoso, Molino, Finley, and Ludd are, I don't see any one of them playing any sort of target man role up there. They're all just going to be cutters, and, and that's fine. But I think with Roman, that just increases the case to, uh, to put a striker up there.
1: I, uh, I can agree with that, Eli, but I also have to throw in the, the whole concept, the idea of the success that Roman Metaner and Ethan Finley have also relies heavily, and, and I mean heavily, on a healthy Ozzy Alonso, because if Metaner is moving up the pitch, Who's gonna drop for him? It's Ozzy Alonso. Jan Gregus is, is Eli and I discussed this when we're at Allianz together on Sunday. He's a free roaming, he's a free roaming eight who's versatile enough to play a six when needed, but he is best used as a free roaming eight. And Marlon Harrison, although he has filled in phenomenally for the loons, he's stepped up to the plate when asked to play out of position. And you know, he's done a really quality job. He's not a six. Not young Goose not a six. Asani Dotson, not a six. Ja'Cory Hayes, kind of a six. Ozzie Alonzo, yes. You need Ozzy Alonso in there with Romain Mettener because Romain is the most attacking, uh, attacking base defender that Minnesota United has. If he goes up and it links inter, uh, that interplay, the overlapping play with Ethan Finley, you need someone to drop who you're comfortable with taking on a left winger who's who, who Mettener would normally take on, except he's out of position in this sequence. And having someone like Ozzy Alonso there is so, so incredibly crucial. So if you can roll out on uh, Wednesday, December 2nd, which is now the game uh, official game date for Sporting Kansas City versus Minnesota United. That is an 8 p.m. Central kickoff, by the way, guys, MLS after dark. Um, it'll be fun. <laughs> but if you can roll out with a healthy Ozzy Alonso uh, partnered with a healthy Romain Metinere and then an Ethan Finley on the right hand side, if that's your triangle on the right, I'm really confident because that right there is its own triangle of chemistry. You've got the load Reynoso and Molino tri- triangle. Then you've got the triangle of Ozzy Alonso, Ethan Finley and Romain Metinere and the chemistry is already there. They've played together. They know how each other work. And I, I have a feeling that the Loons will be a lot more successful if you can get 90 out of Ozzy Alonso. If you can't, you know you're going to have to you're going to have to talk to roman you know you have to tell him you have to get back into position or you're going to have to say jacory or whoever marlin you're going to have to figure out how to drop and we need you to do this it'll be tough but um i also think you know if you're able to bring back um roman metner that means you have the opportunity to bring on hasani dotson off the bench in a playoff game around the 60 minute mark and that is that is that is like gold Huge. You know, you can bring on an absolute workhorse who will play the six, play right back. He'll play attacking midfielder. He'll play striker. He, it doesn't matter where you put Hassani Dotson. He will give you 110%. He's a workhorse. And that that's one of the best things about him is he will give you 90 minutes in 20 minutes. He'll he'll, he'll go as hard as he can until the final whistle and, you know, for Minnesota United, bringing that off the bench is something they've missed in the past month or so. They've been able, they've been unable to bring on a workhorse um, when they need to sub. And now you can, if Romain metnair is healthy. And I think that's, that's perfect. You know, you can't ask for anything else that's better. So, you know, getting, uh, getting Ozzie and getting Romain back is, is absolutely crucial to the success of this Loons team.
0: Moving to the back line now, early defensive miscues in both halves uh, against Colorado. Is this just a case where a lack of Iko Para, and a lack of Ozzy Alonso is catching up with this team and maybe they were overperforming on the back line without those two previously? Or is there something more
2: there? I feel like there's still a little bit of chemistry developing with this group, uh, especially when you look at what we saw on Sunday, you know, Gasper left back, Dibassi, um, left center back, you know, Box has been there forever and then fitting in Hassani Dotson. Like that's a little bit of an unf- unfamiliarish um, dynamic among those back four and, and chemistry is so, so important among the back line. Um, you know, I think the the Rapids were were targeting very specific spots with where they, they did overloads and stuff like that. And a lot of it was Hassani Dotson because we saw, you know, Hassani Dotson and right back. We all remember the Orlando game in the MLS's back tournament where Nani just Orlando went route one right at him all the time and it worked. So I I think this back line is still a little bit untested at times in that regard. And there will be weaknesses. Um, Obviously having Dane St. Clair playing the way he is behind them is a great asset. So, you know, not super concerning, but um, but I I don't think it was anything as far as like overperformance goes. I think it was sort of a a well-designed opponent's game plan, just kind of working, which opponents game plans often do.
1: Jacob, yeah, uh, gosh, I'm sorry, Jeremy. I'm distracted here. We, uh, we've got a fight breaking oh, out yeah. at the end of this Revolution game, and we just, um, we just saw what appeared to be, you know, hands to the face offense. I'm wondering if we get a a 95th minute nonsense red card here. Um, MLS After Dark, guys. It is, it is a wild experience. Uh, the New England Revolution are about to beat the Philadelphia Union. There's the final whistle. That's it. The Philadelphia oh, union the winners. Gosh. Uh, anyways, I'm going to focus back to your question. Um, just, just some wild MLS experiences. <laughs> this adds, all right. adds, I don't blame adds, you. Adds, I know. So I'm a, uh, I'm, I'm looking at back at Minnesota United now. And I think Baki DeBasi is behind Emmanuel, behind Emmanuel Reynoso, the best signing of the season. Um, <laughs> having somebody who can play left center back and left back is, is, it's amazing. You know, you don't see it very often. He's so good in both positions. And if I'm being honest, he seems like such a nice guy. His uh, social media presence is wonderful. He's got a great taste in clothing. Check out his Instagram folks. He, uh, he's, he's wild and in style and at the same time. And, you know, he has a lot of fun with it. He's uh, he seems like a very goofy guy. And you know, that's the kind of person you want in your locker room. And he's also the kind of player you want on your pitch with the performances he's had of late. Um, If I'm Minnesota United, you know, I'm confident in the back line I rolled out with against um, uh, Colorado. uh, If, unless Romain Metner is available, then he, you know, he goes into right back. Assuming he is, um, you know, there's always the possibility of a training injury or contracting or being exposed to COVID-19. And, you know, there's your reminder folks, wear a mask, wash your hands, um, do everything you can to keep you and everyone around you safe. But uh, you know, and Dane St. Clair's been fantastic this season. Yeah. Um, you know, if if he started back during the MLS's back tournament, I think he's your MLS young player of the year. You know, I genuinely think that. And that's not very very common to, to say for a goalkeeper, but he has been that good. Tyler Miller was an important asset for the loons. Dane St. Clair has stepped above Tyler Miller's presence as from for minnesota united he's been better I, I i don't mean that in a bad way or anything tyler Miller's a great goalkeeper taint st Clair has played out of his mind uh, he's standing on his head that's your canadian national team goalkeeper for the next 15 years i would not be surprised if we see him in europe uh give it two years max
0: yeah i was he, just i was he reminds I was... me a
1: lot of zach stefan in all honesty reminds me a lot of zach stefan
0: I was just texting with uh, one of his old goalkeepers coaches. And I, I said, how, how long before this kid goes to Europe? And he said, 2022 at latest. It's, yeah. That's, I don't doubt it. He's just, he's on, he's on another level and a, a playoff clean sheet just can, you know, even further puts him on uh, on the radar uh, of teams over there who might be looking for a, a young goalkeeper to snatch up. So uh, yeah, his, his play has just been outstanding and thinking about, the ascension that this team has taken over the last two years, they've been blessed with excellent goalkeeping. Vito Manone last year, Tyler Miller, the early part of this year, Dane St. Clair, just immense quality in net over the last two seasons for Minnesota United. That's really helped propel them to where they are. Uh, I, was just, I was just thinking about that the other day, how, how good the goalkeeping has been from three separate goalkeepers, really, over the last two years
1: you know, that's, that's a fair shout. And I look at, uh, I look at Minnesota United and say, you know, you've had a few different goalkeeper coaches in the mix since your arrival in MLS, but um, you've done a really good job in picking out who's a good shot stopper. And, you know, there's also the, there's also the shout that we've got an incredibly talented homegrown product that is making the game day, you know, 18 for some of these matches. And that's Fred Emmings. And, if you are attending Minnesota United practice, you might tell yourself, so where's the kid? I don't see a kid on the pitch. Fred Emmings, <laughs> he's bigger than most <laughs> Minnesota United players. Um, I believe he's taller than uh, Dane St. Clair too. He's, 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 he's a bigger presence than, and he's only 17, you know. This kids he's one for the future. Once, uh, once Dane leaves for Europe, which is the expectation, Fred Emmings is probably going to be ready to take the sticks, you know, by the age of nineteen, I don't doubt it. You know, um, we've seen some young goalkeepers on the stage um, this season, including the incredible story of Tomas The Wall Hassel during the MLS's back tournament. Yeah. Um, and you know, we we see these young goalkeepers being groomed to take a to take starts in, in, mm-hmm. at a young age. You know, you've got Andre Luna with Real Madrid. You know, the young goalkeeper who is you know he. People were contemplating who's going to be starting the season. Is it going to be him or is it going to be Thibaut Courtois? And, you know, Courtois is a Belgian international. He's played for Chelsea. He's played for Real Madrid. You know, he's one of the best in the world. But people are contemplating starting a a 19-year-old kid over him, you know. We're starting to see a lot of these younger goalkeepers be ready for the big stage. And Fred Emmings is one of those players.
0: I think MLS in general is just really starting to embrace their younger developmental talent on the main level a little bit more than they have in the past. Um, You're starting to see younger and younger players from from the developmental academies enter the MLS and get on the field at at younger ages every single year. And I think that's a positive for the league. We brought up earlier when talking about MLS, you know, them being, you know, continuing to maybe be more of a destination for uh, maybe some of the players in Europe who are looking to get a little more, you know, a few more years of success under their belts. Um, You know, maybe compete for a championship elsewhere. I also see it going the opposite way where, you know, this is a league that could really develop quality talent on a more consistent basis, and you know profit off of them however you want to view it, and you know see more guys like Alfonso Davies, see more guys like Tyler Adams, see more guys like Caden Clark, you know who can who you know can go over to Europe and uh, and you know potentially make make things happen. I've, I hope I hope that we can see that more on a consistent basis moving forward with MLS. If they can have the best of both worlds, we're developing the younger talent and uh and shipping them off and bringing in some of those guys who are, who are looking for a few more years um I, I think that's really where the the mls thrives and find
2: its sweet spot well i've have, I have a lot of takes on development having just done a summer's worth of looking at <laughs> academies uh, but you i think academy yeah, yeah no, okay, no okay well there wasn't for a little <laughs> bit the there jacob that's the story is, you read by is, there, is,
1: there, is there still one because let's be honest eli um, if we did a Twitter search of the last time Minnesota United tweeted about their academy or had news about their academy, when would it pop up?
2: Well, I mean, it would come back to to um, to late August there when they started it. I honestly, I should actually look at what's, uh, what's going on there now. It's, it's yeah, two plus months. Gosh. Yeah, yeah. I don't know. I don't know what they're actually. <laughs> But for the league as a whole, this kind of youth wave you're seeing, one, it could be a little bit of of MLS teams kind of embracing this youth talent and just not being afraid to go with a young player, whether that's a goalkeeper or a Caden Clark on the field. But I think you're seeing a couple of things. One, you're starting to see just the growth of MLS now being matched in the youth academies because when all these clubs are joining MLS, their youth academies are still just lagging behind a little bit because if they start at the – You 14, 15, 16 level, those players aren't really going to be breaking through. They're not going to be a a main player in their local market, you know, for a couple of years. So you're starting to see that effect, I think. But you're also seeing some of these players choosing MLS academies and choosing to stick with MLS academies. That There are really, really good developmental opportunities. And first team opportunities to be had with MLS clubs, not having to go to Germany and try to break through in the Dortmund team or something like that, that these players are able to stay in the U S and still get these opportunities because there's, there's great American soccer talent. There's obviously a lot of factors that go into a team like the U S women's national team being so good, but you know, they're a global soccer dynasty, right? We can see the same thing happen on the men's side. It's just, there's, there's certain things that need to happen. And, and I think you're starting to see some of those occur on the men's side. We're just, MLS as a youth development system is looking more attractive and being more successful. And so I think you're going to continue to see more players getting first team minutes and being so successful uh, for MLS sides.
1: So I think the three of us are kind of going off a little topic here. We tend to do that on the show. When the three of us get together, we uh, <laughs> we go on tangents and I'm going to go on. No one idea more. where it's going to go. I'm wondering, I, I'm watching, like I mentioned, I've been watching MLS playoffs since they started. I've been enamored. I haven't missed a game Guys, what's the bigger upset? Is it uh, the New England Revolution over your supporter shield uh, winners, um, the Philadelphia Union, or is it expansion side Nashville overcoming you know regular MLS Cup finalist and Alejandro Pozuelo's team, Toronto FC? <laughs> I put a poll out on Twitter. There's already 45, like 40 votes, and it's 51 to 49 percent. Uh, I don't know, guys. I can't make this decision.
0: I would probably go with New England, to be honest, uh, straight, you know, based off two things. One, people were very, very high on Philadelphia. Obviously supporter shield winners. That seems to happen. That hype seems to happen, but this Philadelphia thing has been brewing for a few years now and they were the team that has, you know, they've done it right, right. They're not an LAFC or Atlanta United who expansion in spend all this money and ascend right to the top. They, they've been on this slow ascension, uh, development over the last three or four years. And this was the year, right? This is the year it all paid off, supporter shield. You know, they have, a, they have as good a chance as any team since Toronto to, to do the double or whatever. Um, and two, people have been very complimentary of Nashville this year too, and rightfully so. Um, the moves they made early in the season have all been, have all hit for the most part, right? Bring in Walker Zimmerman, huge. Where they've spent money, where they haven't spent money, where they've relied on the talent they already have, where they've relied on bringing in new talent—it's all seemed to work. And so, I think this is just more of a continuation of seeing that manifest itself for Nashville. So that's why, to me, I w- the more unexpected upset. At least to me, was New England over um, over Philadelphia. Now, does m- more unexpected mean bigger upset? You know that, who's to say, but I—that's why I think New England.
2: Yeah, I think what Jeremy said at the very end there about you know it being a bigger upset versus a more unexpected upset is a big point because I think that's kind of the differentiating thing. That I think it's probably easier to make the case for Nashville beating Toronto. You know, have going into that game, it was easier to make that case uh, than maybe New England over Philly. And I think Philly's probably the better team than Toronto. But for me, there are. Just, probably no mls team around right now that i would think to be better in the postseason than toronto because you look like at a guy like alejandro pozuelo who when he turns it on and goes into playoff mode like good luck to any center back who has to try to take the ball away from him right so i for me it's nashville's the the bigger upset um but again i think it comes down to that more unexpected that's not to say that the, the new england upset over philly isn't big because that's massive too we've gotten two massive upsets um but, but I think the, the Nashville ones are a little bit more of a big deal for me.
1: Yeah. And uh, if you're an MLS fan watching this, sh- or listening to the show, excuse me, you won't be watching it. Hopefully. We'll, I, we'll see. Jeremy thought I'm about not, You know, with, with
0: with your hair and Eli's mustache goatee going on there, I may throw this up on YouTube. We'll see. Yeah, oh, no. Oh, no. You, Didn't agree to what, this. Folks,
1: the, uh, the rain outside did not do my hair's wonder today. But uh, my <laughs> hair, oh, gosh, my hair wonders today. <laughs> Not my hairs. You know, MLS after dark, this is what it does to you. But um, if you are an MLS fan listening to this show and you have not had the chance to watch Nashville FC, um, turn them on when they play next. Um, and watch Jander Cadiz and uh, Randall Leal and uh, Yanni Mukhtar. Alex Mule has even been really good for them. And then, of course, Walker Zimmerman. They're a fun side. You know, if you're looking for a, uh, you know, A team to root for and you're not as a neutral i think it's nashville sc at this point um it's a fun story they've got a good roster they play in bright yellow kits who doesn't love that it's different um there's a lot of fun with that team so take a look
2: you don't pick minnesota united if you're neutral they're obviously the most fun team out there jacob how how utterly biased of you to not Uh, pick your hometown team utterly biased
1: Eli, um, we're media. We're not fans. So (laughs) someone, someone, um,
0: tell Adrian Heath that Jacob Schneider did not pick did not pick Minnesota United as the the yeah underdogs from the neutral perspective.
1: Correspondent Jacob Schneider bashing Minnesota United. um, They're probably going to lose to Sporting Kansas City too. They're the underdogs going to the match. Um, Well, I think
2: that's that's clear, right? We knew that going in.
1: Yeah, they're definitely the underdogs. They probably will not win. And frankly. you know we'll have Matt Doyle write a column telling us why they won't win just so it'll hype them up and give us a good press conference um, come Monday morning or Monday afternoon I should say
0: I'm I'm thinking we could spin off in, into another podcast and just call it Adrian Heath's bulletin board and just, yeah. just feed feed material for for 30, 30 45 minutes a week I think that's I good. will
1: say I have become I I've I've learned to love the little nitpicky things that Adrian Heath does as a as a manager. Um, I think he's brilliant. I think I've learned a lot from him, um, as a, as a reporter, um, you know, there's been times where, you know, you talk to somebody off the record and you talk to somebody just in a general context and conversation, how's life, you know, you know, what's going on, you know? And I think, I think he's a really good guy and I think he's done a fantastic job with this Minnesota United roster. And a lot of people were skeptical going into this year you know was last year a fluke no it was not adrian heath is a good coach he's a good manager and he knows exactly what he's doing well
2: and i'll touch on that i before i was a minnesota united fan i will say that i'm a minnesota united fan um i was an orlando city fan when they first joined and at the helm at that time was one adrian heath and i remember listening to him appear on orlando city podcast and being like dang this guy is not like what i would expect you know, a professional sports coach to be someone who had such a great career as a striker in England, right? Not like, not what I would expect someone to, to act like. And I was like, okay, well, you know, maybe it's just a podcast thing. I was thrilled when Minnesota United hired him. I was so excited for that. And, and Jacob can attest to this because he's known me through much of Minnesota United's MLS existence, but even in the bad seasons, I've never once said that Adrian Heath should be fired. Like I've trusted in him from day one and that's never wavered for me. Um, he's a fantastic coach and a fantastic guy as well. Um, you know, Minnesota United fans are really, really lucky to have him in. And I fully believe him when he says that he wants this to be his last job. Like, I think the the guy would be more than happy to retire on Lake Minnetonka someday. Mm-hmm. Uh, like, I, I think he's he's living his dream right now. And he didn't get to do that with Orlando, but he's been able to do it with Minnesota United. So there will come a day when it's time for Eden Heath to leave, but we're far off from that. He's done a great thing with his team. He's, his tactics are fantastic. You know, we don't really know how much – of a say he has in transfers and dealings and who comes in and who goes, but, um, but that's been generally pretty good. You know, they've hit on a lot of guys more recently, you know, we'll ignore kind of what happened early 2017, but you know, lately this Minnesota United team has been one of the most consistently good in MLS and Adrian, he's a big part of that.
0: Each of you, each of you, hold on, Jacob. Each of you has made one very outlandish comments during this podcast. And I would like to address those right now. Jacob, Please do, Jeremy. you said we could see James Musa on Wednesday. Uh, if we see James Musa on Wednesday, I will do a naked lap around my townhome complex. <laughs> Eli, <laughs> you just said when Adrian Heath retires that he's going to retire on Lake Minnetonka. Yeah. Even if he retires at Minnesota United, there's no way on God's green
2: earth he's choosing
0: Lake Minnetonka as his retirement destination.
2: You know, Jeremy, it's It's the best guess that any of us can have. From what I hear about the weather in England, really, from what I hear about the weather in England, it just sounds like it's like a 40s and drizzle year round. Like, I I don't see him. Like, that doesn't sound very fun. I think Lake Mansock is the perfect place to retire. He's
0: going to go to like a tropical beach
2: area.
1: definitely moving to (laughs) Edina.
2: Jacob, who wants to move to Edina? Who wants to move to Edina?
1: I'm thinking here he's 100% moving to Edina or um maybe new prague possibly uh possibly we'll see like a, a wyzetta you know or I you think, know if he maybe maybe he does end up on a lake but it's not going to be lake minnetonka
2: so, it's going to be like lake elmo my my logic for that i'm pretty sure he lives on lake minnetonka now i feel like i've seen that detail somewhere that he lives, he lives somewhere around Lake Minnetonka now. And so I feel like it makes sense. He's going to be a club legend here. After 25 years at the helm of Minnesota United, you're going to want to retire close to the club. Hila, he's just going
1: to I'm going to do a Google search right now. Um, in front of you, we're on Zoom. You can see me do this. Um, I I genuinely wonder how old is Adrian Heath? He's 59. That's oh, actually a good question. He's 59. And this is his fourth year. So let's say he's 55. I mean, if he retires... After 25 years in charge of Minnesota United, he's saying he's going to ch- stay in charge of this club until he's 80 years old.
2: <laughs> I, I could see. Have you seen his moves on the touchline? He flicks the ball up effortlessly. He he flicks the ball up better than I do, and I'm and I'm 19 years old with no soccer experience. So I think it like the projection <laughs> here is very good.
1: <laughs> Darwin Quintero's son, who was on the sidelines during a lot of the training sessions when he was here, he's like seven. He has better foot skills than me. Like. It's not, it's not hard, Eli. You and I, are That's neither right. of us are, are, are very gifted when it comes to uh, the game of soccer. My, me, myself, I was a JV all-star who um, was occasionally benched due to his mouth and consistency to get yellow cards. But I'm proud of that.
0: If Adrian Heath spends 10 years as an MLS coach, he will basically have his choice of bodies of water to retire on and i'm just saying lake minnetonka will not will not even be in the top five of
2: that list Eli. not even in the top five that is ridiculous it has to be in the top five (laughs) i think it's if, if you have a connection to minnesota and you're looking for a body of water to retire on i have to think that lake minnetonka is in the top five like you put in the atlantic ocean and the pacific ocean probably and then what else is in your top five there's there aren't that many great bodies of water. I know this is the 10,000 pitches podcast and we're all about 10,000 things and 10,000 lakes, but like Lake Minnetonka's up there. That's all I'm going to say. All right. You
1: know, a future article should be is the wages of MLS coaches. I'm curious. You know, it's not something you hear a lot about. I'm just, just curious compared to Europe. And if we're being honest, if Adrian Heath does have a successful stint here in Minnesota, say he, excuse me, coaches till, you know, twenty twenty six. Let's say US World Cup in twenty twenty six. That's when we get it. He uh leads Minnesota United to the uh uh FIFA World Cup final in twenty twenty six because that's how Chicago votes. fire. Pulling Chicago oh, Fire. Yeah, they're gonna play the Chicago fire there. No, yeah. let's say he retires here in twenty twenty six. Um, you know, there's a chance, you know, you take a successful coach in MLS and you look back to Europe. I have no doubt in my mind he would love to go back to Everton uh one day. And I know Jeremy Rushing our host here, who is, uh, unfortunately, an Everton fan, would love to see the gaffer back in charge. Hey,
0: sixth place right now, I'll take it. But, uh, you know, it, that would be very, like, I don't know. Like 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 Eli said, he was a fan of Orlando City, and then he was a fan of Minnesota United, so he's just been a fan of teams coached by Adrian Heath, basically, his entire soccer fandom. It would be It would be weird. If Adrian Heath was the coach of Minnesota United, then suddenly showed up at Everton, and I just would see more of Adrian Heath. That'd, that'd be interesting, but I don't know. I guess I guess we'll we'll revisit in what would you say? Six years, Jacob? We'll revisit that and see and see where things end up. All right. you, I will put it. Jacob selling it short.
1: I'll put it in my iPhone notifications, um, and I'll uh, I'll make sure to shoot you a DM in exactly six years on November twenty fourth, twenty twenty six. Um, you know and that'll probably be just a couple months after the u.s win the world cup with um the likes of conrad de la fuente um and uh Serginio des leading the u.s the barcelona stars themselves but uh we don't want to go off today. on that tangent we don't want to go off on that tangent i'll talk <laughs> for hours uh we've already got an hour here jeremy i keep going off topic let's get back to your show notes what do you got for us next
0: Well, uh, let's just transition now and talk about this match coming up on Wednesday. It was going to be Tuesday or Wednesday, but now, Jacob, you've confirmed breaking news uh, that it will be Wednesday, the 2nd of December in the year of our Lord, 2020, that Minnesota United makes the trip down I-35 to take on Sporting Kansas City Western Conference semifinals. A team, Minnesota United, that's never won inside Children's Mercy Park. Is this the time?
1: Well, I think um, if you're somebody who listened to the post-game press conference on Sunday, Adrian Heath adamantly said that his club has never performed to the standard they need to when they played at Ch- Children's Mercy Park, and they definitely need to step up and play better than they ever have before in that stadium if they want to come out on top. And, um, well, let's look at 2020. MLS is back tournament. You win 2-1. to one, Um Barely yeah. go to the regular season. It's a, it's a one zero win for um, it's a one zero win for uh, SKC. And then I believe it was another two to one win there. And um, you know, they got the best of you two out of three times. This is the fourth match. They've played each other this season. It's tough. It's, it really is because it is two quality teams. Minnesota United are better than their seating suggests. I've, I've learned through the first, you know, five, four, five days of MLS playoffs that seedings mean nothing. I think we all have. And I look at this and I say, you know, this is the clash between probably, um, and I genuinely mean this, the two best teams in the MLS Western, uh, conference and, uh, you know, Seattle are a fantastic team as are LAFC, but in terms of form, in terms of capability at the moment, um, Minnesota United and sporting Kansas city are the two best teams, um, and if it goes to penalties, good luck. Dane St. Clair is a rock. Whereas Tim Malia is a, a mountain. It's, it's going to be a great showdown on if it does end up going to that, but let's, uh, let's talk about what we're going to see on, on, on Wednesday. Um, it's, it's going to be, a, it's going to be a lot of, uh, a lot of Roger Espinosa and Chase Gasper mouthing off at each other. It's going to be uh, a lot of, you uh, Roger Espinosa and Chase Gasper unnecessarily tackling each other because that is what has happened in the past three matchups. Mm -hmm. Um, But uh, it'll be a fun match. You know, these two teams, they know each other. They're going to be looking into this game and they're going to say, everything's going to be on the line. Um, No unnecessary red cards for Minnesota United. You cannot lose a player on uh, on Wednesday next week. Uh, You've really got to, got to discipline yourselves beforehand. Stay healthy, stay inside, stay away from people. Um, pass your COVID test by taking care of yourself and those around you, get your touches in a training session, work your butt off, get rest, do everything you can to make yourself successful because there's nothing more this team can do right now than those things. They know what they can do. They know what they're capable of. They know what SKC can do. They know what SKC is capable of right now because 2020 is 2020, the biggest and the most successful thing you can do for yourself and your team is to stay healthy is to ensure you are fit and to ensure you've got your game face on when you arrive at children's mercy park, because that stadium has fans that stadium is going to be intimidating. That stadium is a tough place to win. And if you can win in children's mercy park against sporting Kansas city, you can beat any team left in the MLS playoffs. I think.
2: I, I agree there. And I think it's pretty clear this week. Knowing Adrian Heath and like we talked about before his uh, his Bolton board material, the the loons record in insurance Mercy Park is going to be, I have a feeling tacked up in the in the team room all this week is you know, kind of a reminder of like, this is what the history is. Um, again, this is MLS as we've seen in the playoffs, anything can happen. So it would be wrong to count any team in any game out too much. Um, and, and that includes the loons on the road here. I think the, the key to it is going to be containing Alan Pulido. So he's, he's fully back and ready to go. He's just, he's been so unstoppable this season and it's going to be a chore for any center back to do. Well, I think Michael Boxell and, and DeBasi is going to start in center back there. They can do it. They can very much do that. And, you know, it's, it's going to be a challenge because again, he's one of the, the best in MLS. Um, I think the challenge is going to be Johnny Russell on the wing. He's been really, really productive for them. Um, I don't remember the numbers, but I want to say he's, their leader in expected goals and assists on this season, so he's been extremely, extremely productive for them. Um, will definitely be a, a challenge to contain, um, and I, I think for the Loons, it's going to come down to creating attacking opportunities too. Obviously, they were able to do it against the Colorado Rapids. Fine with the with the false nine setup. We'll see if that continues, but it's it's difficult to go into a, a game not having a great systematic idea down against a team like Sporting Kansas City that's a it's a Vermeer's coach team they're gonna they're gonna have a system down and United's gonna kind of come in hoping for a lot of brilliance from guys like Reynoso and Molina working together up there so that scares me a little bit going forward but I, I think it's if if the Loons are gonna emerge victorious here it's gonna be a one goal game like this is gonna be tight so it's gonna come down to can the defense you know if if Minnesota United can get a clean sheet here They've very much got a, a chance to put one goal on Sporting Kansas City, but keeping that clean sheet is going to be dang tough against that team.
1: You know. And, oh, sorry, Jeremy.
2: No, it's all good.
0: Uh, so we talked a lot about Minnesota United's unbeaten streak. Um, you know, at the end of the regular season, SKC finished off the regular season on a tear too. Seven, one, and one in their last nine games. Seventeen goals in that stretch. Alan Polito only playing in three of those matches. Um, So you talk about a team who's already red hot, who's already high quality, who already earned that top spot in the Western conference, pretty much without Alan Pulido for the most part. And then you bring him back and just looking at the game log from his last two games that he played, which were against uh, Colorado and Cincinnati respectively at the end of October in those two matches, 11 total shots, seven shots on goal, only one goal in the two but this is a productive, productive attacking player that Minnesota United is going to have their hands full. It helps having Roman Metinere back, obviously, but we have seen some, uh, some miscues, some issues with that back line. They're going to have to be a brick wall back there if they're going to keep the ball out of the net, especially if Malin Polito.
1: And, you know, if Polito is back, that just means Ozzy Alonso's return is that much more crucial. Mm-hmm. That, 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 that's all you have to look at. I don't trust Marlon Harrison to shut down Alan Polito. Do I trust Marlon Harrison to shut down Diego Rubio? Yes. Do I trust him to shut down Alan Polito? No. It's, it's, it's as simple as that. Jan Gregoose is capable of doing it, but he can't do it by himself. Alan Polito is that good. He needs two people to shut him down. And uh, you've got a youngster in Gianluca Busio who had a goal and an assist in SKC's first-round win. And although that game was incredibly dramatic – um, Chris Wondolowski doing Chris Wondolowski things to equalize in 90 plus six to send it to extra time. Then Tamelia, Tim the sporting Kansas city goalkeeper saving all three of San Jose's just ridiculous. Was absolutely ridiculous. Like <laughs> it's, it's like not fair. It's not even it's not fair. fair. It's unheard of, but SKC have these pieces that make them so good, but they also have who I think is the best coach in major league soccer. Um, I don't know. It's tough. It's not going to be an easy win. It's a difficult place to win. And if you do um, expect to end up with a result, it's going to rely heavily on uh, staying composed. And when I say, when I mean staying composed, it's, you can't get rattled. If you go down one zero early, you have to, you have to stay on your toes because I have a feeling Vermes is going to roll out with a high press for the first 15 minutes, try and overwhelm and, uh, Overwork Ozzy Alonso, who hasn't had a lot of minutes. And this is me assuming Ozzy starts just, that's just how my mind is right now. I, I'm on the assumption he's starting. I know we've talked about who would replace him and all that. You can go listen back in the podcast to, to know who I'd put there instead. Well, but, I think,
0: I think either way, Jacob, uh, Kansas city will take that approach uh, of yeah. pressing because Colorado did that early, especially early in the first half. And they, they could have easily been up two nil in the first 20 minutes.
1: They easily could have. And, I mean, if we go back to Minnesota United's color, uh, match against Colorado, the Loons probably could have put six past Colorado. They missed some golden opportunities, especially especially Bevello Reynoso. So um, there's a lot more from this team you haven't seen, but there's also a lot less. Um, there's definitely places where they can improve. And, uh, you know, Eli mentioned a few of those earlier in the show right at the beginning. So I think just going into into Wednesday, you know, you've got to be confident in your ability and know that you're one of the best teams in Major League Soccer at the moment. Maybe you haven't been all season, especially during the month of August, and that's probably why you are the fourth seed. That's probably why you're playing Sporting Kansas City. But you overcome Sporting Kansas City. You can overcome any team, any venue, any time in this league. Especially when think, you have
2: quality goalkeeping.
1: Yes. You know, Wednesday is going to be a battle of the two hottest goalkeepers in MLS, I think.
2: And I think going into that game, it'll be important, in a sense, for the Loons to return to kind of the tactical roots of this season. When we look at how the Loons were so successful in the MLS's back tournament and how they were successful against Sporting KC, that win was incredibly fluky, but they did one thing well, and that was just shut down Sporting Kansas City, not really allowed chances that was that like 442 defensive block that we saw that was a little extreme for a team to run in any game. But that's what works in these single elimination games here, right? Because you're you're not going for anything more than 90 minutes. All you're trying to do is shut down the other side's attacking ability for you know 90 plus change. And a defensive block does that. An easy way to restrict Alan Polito is to just cut off passes to him like make it extremely difficult to get the ball to his feet and a strong defensive block does that let skc pass around between their center backs all day just sit back and restrict the passes to the wings restrict the passes to alan palito and suddenly that's a great game plan you know hit him in transition especially if they're going to go with this false nine or no two striker approach then that's just more ammo to sit back in that block, and and you're already like I talked about earlier in the show. That's kind of a positionless approach and attack. So you're already just geared perfectly for transition. You're getting Ramadani in your back, who's one of the best transition right backs in the game. Uh, you're getting you have guys who can kickstart that. And De is a fantastic passer. I love to see him kickstarting some of those counters. So I really really hope to see a return to the to the counter attack against SKC. Not quite a bunker, but um, but definitely sitting back.
0: Again, Wednesday. You said eight o'clock central, Jacob.
1: Yeah, so that's an 8 p.m. Central kickoff, um, according to FS1, which means we'll likely see kickoff around 8 to uh, 8.15, actually, um, just because that is how um, MLS works. It's usually around 15 minutes after the advertised time. And uh, if we were to see penalties, we would probably see them start around uh, around 10.10 p.m.
0: Oh, you got the timestamps down. Doing the math, doing the math. I mean, he's done nothing but watch MLS playoffs, and the most of them going to penalties. So he's you know
1: that's that, it, that, that's that's um you know that's excluding the you know if we do get a Roger Espinosa versus Chase Gasper fist fight, you know you might see 10, 10 minutes of added time at the end, and you know that'll throw that time off because I have no doubt in my mind those two are going to get into it. Yeah, uh, it's just going to happen. It's been it's been brewing for three games this season. It's going to happen. I I just I have this gut feeling. And, um, you know, it's definitely one of the best battles to keep an eye on, um, and uh, you know, enjoy Minnesota United, um, with a win over SKC, um, there is a chance you could host the MLS Western conference finals in Minnesota. And with the results in the Eastern conference tonight, there's a chance MLS cup could also be hosted at all field. Um, if Minnesota United were to make MLS cup, they would be the highest remaining seed if I'm if I'm looking at the brackets correctly. Um, so there you go. There's a chance we still have up to two more home games at Allianz Field, um, pending results in the Western Conference, of course. A win over um, over Kansas City has, is a must. And then if LAFC beats Seattle, which is about to kick off in about 10 minutes from where we are talking right now, um, Minnesota United would automatically host with a win over Sporting Kansas City, the Western Conference Finals that is. And with a win in the Western conference finals, Minnesota would automatically host, um, the Eastern or the, the automatically host MLS cup. So, um, you know, there's, there's a lot that's riding on that decision day win over FC Dallas to secure that four seed. this home field advantage is going to come into play with a win over sporting Kansas city. So there's a lot to look forward to enjoy the match against SKC enjoy the, uh, back and forth conversations and tangents we've gone off of on this show it's 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 a wonderful time to be a soccer fan in uh, the united states
0: i hate to fact check you here live on the air jacob but the three seed columbus is still alive in the east
1: ah i see i'm looking at the bracket and i completely read it wrong um columbus is going to lose so ignore my (laughs) uh, columbus is going to lose and uh mls cup is going to come home to minnesota
0: all right, last thing here, guys. Uh, top twenty-five jersey sales were released for MLS. No Minnesota United players on the list. Not too, uh, not 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 too surprising. With with your main guy, Eiko Parra, who would probably be your top jersey seller. Out. Um, Ozzy Alonso has missed much of the season as well. Luis San Maria, you know, had the potential to do so. He's been out. Emmanuel Reynoso didn't come on until late in the season. Uh, I don't have this in front of me. I've done some research, but I can't find it. Who do you guys think is Minnesota United's top jersey seller?
1: Kamashikone. I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry. See,
2: I I don't doubt that Jacob actually <laughs> believes that. That's the funny thing here.
1: <laughs> I'm just messing around. Um, you know the top the top jersey sale. Um, you know there's a good chance it is Bebela Reynoso right now, just because of what he has brought to Minnesota United. Fans are loving him, but I wouldn't count out the. Uh, the love affair with
2: Kevin Molino. I was going to go Molino too. Um. Hear me out here. Young Goose. I don't know why, but I feel like I see a lot of young Goose kids out and about like more than I would expect. I mean, not to say he's like a bad player. He's extremely important to what the loons do. Like he's probably their MPP in all honesty, but I see a lot of his jerseys. I think it's between him and Molino for me. Um, but. No more, no more Jerry T jerseys, which is sad. I missed yeah. seeing those.
1: Yeah, Jerome Tiafoe, what a lovely person he was. But I'd also throw a shout to Asani Dotson. Fans love Dotson. Um, Dotson then scores bangers. Yeah. People love him. And then you know, I uh, I'd also be curious to see what the jersey sales would look like um, for Michael Boxel. Um, he's a class figure. He's been here That's the him. longest. He's got the most Minnesota United jerseys from seasons by season, I I believe, if I'm thinking.
2: Oh, that'd be would be Molino probably. Oh, Molino Molina. arrived before. I mean, I guess they both were here in seventeen, but Molino's like been here the longest, I guess. Yeah. yeah.
1: I guess it's probably Molino or Boxwell when you think about it. Then yeah. probably Molino just because attackers are more common on jerseys. Yeah. But um, you know, I think uh, I think the Tomas Chacon jersey sales are gonna skyrocket once he finds his footing.
2: Disagree. It's got to be Reynoso with the hair. It's just flashy. Number ten, the silver hair, Reynoso. Like, and just give him, just give him a year. I'm Give looking, me a light
1: blue kit come 2021. That's all I'm asking
2: for. I'm looking at MLS
0: much. website right now. No goalkeeper kits. It's not here.
1: surprising. Saint a oh. long name.
0: No, just well, like the goalkeeper. You kits don't, kind of you don't even have the option to buy the the goalkeeper kits just in general. Oh.
2: Well, that black and blue kit is awesome. That's, it's pretty tight. It's pretty tight. Huh. Okay. Well, you
0: guys can get a youth uh, Minnesota United 2017 primary repl- replica jersey
2: for just 13 bucks. Adult 20. If if you
0: has it's the one with the. It's sash. still out there. The gray, the gray one with the sash.
2: Yeah, I love the, I love that kit. That's it's a classic nice. with the sash. Yeah. It's very nice. Twenty I think bucks. I have two. Sure. Looking to do
0: some Black Friday shopping for the Minnesota United fan in your life? All right, it's you gotta know, be
1: everyone, right? If you're gonna do any Black Friday shopping on the MLS website, it, it's it, it has it automatically has to be a Chris Wondolowski jersey. You know, just
0: buy a Minnesota United jersey and put
1: Wondolowski number on
2: the back. I like that. I like that a lot,
1: Jeremy. You know, Jeremy, I could I don't think there's anything you could have said that's a better note to end this show on.
0: So Chris Wondolowski on a
1: Minnesota United Jersey. Let's make it happen.
0: I, I need an incentive. Anybody listening, if you buy a Minnesota United Jersey and put Wando's name and number on the back, you will get something from 10,000 pitches. Maybe a free piece of merch, maybe a sticker pack. I, I I don't know. I can't think of it off the top of my head. But if, if you do it, tag us, send us the picture. We will send you something.
2: I will- Jeremy, that's got to be the next giveaway, right? Takeout Tuesdays, Wondolowski Wednesdays. Giving away a Minnesota <laughs> United Wondolowski kit Wanda every Wednesday Wednesdays. from here. I know. Yeah, Jeremy, you're welcome for the idea. I and look her- forward to seeing it go viral.
0: We're just giving the earthquakes uh, marketing department material here,
1: and, and in return, we can have Jackson Yule. Perfect. Who
2: perfect. says no? Who says no?
1: Bring him home, Minnesota, Minnesota faithful. Bring him home.
2: I think that's a fair trade. All right,
0: Jacob Eli, tell us where we can find your work.
1: Um, right now, my work is mainly being found on zonecoveragemn.com. Yeah, it is. Be sure to follow me um, at underscore Jacob Schneider on Twitter. Um, otherwise, you know, just just hang out on Twitter. I I talk a lot of soccer, Champions League. Um, you know, Chelsea FC, the best team in England. London is blue, and uh, you know, just a lot more fun there. So come hang out
2: um yeah my work is complicated it's mostly not minnesota united anymore That's i do the okay. occasional thing over at uh at e pluribus lunum um i'm on twitter at by eli hoff my tweets cover a lot of things uh i go to the university of missouri so most of my tweets are about that uh lots of tweets about our student newspaper the Maneater. go man eater uh, otherwise doing high school sports coverage for two newspapers down there so if you like random mid-missouri tweets um yeah That's
0: what I do. You you guys have really been at the forefront on reporting about COVID 19 and its impact on college campuses. Uh, (laughs) I've been, I've been amazed by the work that you guys are doing down there on that so keep up the good work and yeah i mean even if you live up here in minnesota go and read that stuff on the manager's website because that is that's amazing just the the constant updates and how it's impacting different aspects of campus and whatnot uh just just excellent journalistic work i mean it's it, it's it's no surprise that some of the best journalists do come from uh the university of missouri because you got a student newspaper that's putting out content like that so keep it up so that is missouri's fun is
1: Eli Hoff, folks um, friend, writer, and terrible basketball analyst.
2: Um, you, you say that now. I'm working on my it starts tomorrow. By the time this podcast is out, there'll probably be college basketball to watch. So excited! Kate Cunningham plays tomorrow, guys. It's gonna be fun, all right?
1: Yeah, and uh, we all know who that is, so go keith cunningham right is that his name okay
2: number one prospect number one prospect you should know his name jacob when i edit this i'm just gonna have
0: the music playing full blast just play play as we keep talking
2: please do please do that's the perfect way to end this
1: go christian Leitner. all right thanks guys we'll talk soon yep Uh, thank you you, jeremy
2: thanks jeremy